All right, welcome back to the Wrestling with Altitude podcast. I am your host, Mr. Fourth Row, and joining me on this episode, I've got uh, comedian uh, Nathan Lund. Nathan, how you doing? Hey, I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, thank you for uh, coming on. So, uh, like we do here on Wrestling Without Altitude, kind of talk about the uh, wrestling business, but you guys might wonder why I've got uh, a comedian on, and that's because we've got a, a big event uh, this weekend for uh, Lucha Libre and Laughs, and we'll get into that uh, in uh, just a little while. But first uh, question I got out for you out of the shoot there, Nathan. Uh, how did you uh, get into the uh, wacky world of uh, comedy? Uh, I liked comedy since I was a little kid. You know, my dad liked a lot of uh, different movies and shows. You know, Three Stooges, Marx Brothers. Uh, and Comedy Central came out, I think, when I was like nine. And so that was a big uh, introduction to a lot of different uh, stand-up comedy. And also they would show, like, Saturday Night Live and Kids in the Hall. So uh, I loved comedy from a young age and uh, saw that like it could really have uh, a positive effect on my dad and on you know adults you know that could really change their moods after a long day of work to be able to laugh and uh, so I kinda just you know sucked up and and took in all kinds of different comedy and and never thought about doing it my myself until uh, I was almost done with college and I had, I, had, I had enjoyed making people laugh uh, in school and, and you know, uh, hanging out with friends, but I didn't really think about performing until I was about ready to graduate from college, and I just thought, why not give it a try? You know, enough of, enough of my friends and, and random people had, had told me that I was funny, and so I started writing stuff down uh, before I graduated, and then... Uh, Ended up going up for the first time in 2004 after I, I, I went to college in Reno, Nevada, and then uh, was writing. And then my first time was after I had moved back to Las Vegas, Nevada. And so I started out there. Oh, that's cool. Did you uh, start with a, like an open mic night or would you actually get booked on a show? Uh, so I had a couple of friends that were that played music. Okay. And uh, my friend Jacob played a show at a bar in Vegas, and, and they had a really nice stage. And I thought that it would be nice to be able to perform somewhere with with an actual stage, you know, with a good setup. And so I contacted that bar and uh, asked them if they ever did comedy. And they said that they didn't, but that if I wanted to come down, they would let me perform before the, uh, some music that, uh, I think they had a couple bands booked for this like Wednesday night or something. So uh, I told all of my friends, to, you know, to to come and check me out. And uh, I show up, and the stage was under construction. It was getting renovated, and so that didn't. I wasn't able to have a stage my first time. You know, we. Uh, I ended up just standing uh, in front of this giant wall of TVs that were kept on. And, you know, had like 80 different basketball games on them. <laughs> and uh, so not not ideal as far as the, the surroundings, but I did have like 30 friends show up. And I did maybe, you know, six or seven minutes. And, you know, it went pretty well, I think, because I 
had brought you know close friends, and uh, so I didn't blow it that first time, and I was hooked immediately. Even though you know it wasn't an ideal first time uh, overall, yeah. I was hooked. You know, I felt like I felt like I was on some kick-ass new drug. You know, after uh, afterwards, and uh, so I after that was when I started to seek out actual open mic nights and uh, start performing at actual mics and shows. That, that is awesome. So yeah, so something uh, something uh, like I like to say, a little STD, something a little totally different how you kind of started than um, a good majority of uh, comedians out there. Yeah, yeah, it was, It. I mean, now that I, now that I look back on it, it is weird that I <laughs> just, you know, well, I guess I figured that because this uh, the the first bar, the Boston, was the name of the the bar. I thought maybe because they had music, they also had comedy, and it was crazy that the manager or whoever I talked to uh, allowed me to do stand up without knowing me at all, and to just have me go up before this. I think it ended up just being one band that that performed. Uh, weird weird decision making on their part, but yeah. I guess I you know I brought. 30 people and they probably each had a, a beer or two and then uh, we all took off before that band played which <laughs> wasn't uh, the nicest move but you know I wasn't going to force my friends to watch a band that we had no connection to so we got out of there and uh, hung out in the parking lot for a little while and like I said I was on cloud nine and I was lucky that you know Vegas people think that Vegas would be perfect for starting out, and I was lucky that there were some open mics, but there weren't a lot of opportunities because there's so many, you know, professional, you know, wonderful uh, venues and and so many great performers that are coming through Vegas. You know, there there wasn't a lot of uh, uh, not a lot of opportunity when you were just starting out. But uh, I, you know, I, I didn't need a lot to get started. And so my first four years were in Vegas, uh, just kind of, you know, trying to get up as much as I could and learning from <clears throat> from some of the comics that had been performing down there. And so I was able to, you know, get a lot out of those first four years. But I was also lucky that I was able to move here to Denver because there was a whole other, uh, you know, new kind of new crop of comics starting out here that I got to join and and just kind of take uh, comedy, you know, my comedy to the next level with some more opportunities that I didn't even know were here. But uh, because of the, the comedy works especially, you know, it's one of the best clubs in the country yeah. and has been around since uh, 1981, I believe. And so, uh, yeah, to be able to have a top-notch comedy club as, like, you know, one of the places I could go to try and... Uh, get noticed and and work on my stuff was uh, a huge help to me, and like I say, I'm 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 lucky I ended up here. Yeah, that's cool. And when you say the comedy works, you're talking about the the older one, the one downtown, right? The, the more yeah. So the downtown one has been there, has been downtown forever for like <laughs> 35 years. Yeah, and and they had, I don't know how long they've been at their current location, but it's been a long time. Yeah. Uh, probably 30 years, you know, and, and so, uh, you know, everybody knows about it, has, you know, has seen some of their favorite comics there. 
Mm-hmm. And then the yeah, the South Club, the newer the newer comedy works is south of Denver in Land uh in Greenwood Village. Okay. And that's now that's been around for I think maybe twelve years or something. You know, it's been yeah. it's been there for a while now. Yeah, uh, yeah, I've seen. Uh, yeah, I've I've never been to South, but I've definitely been to the one downtown and seen some great acts. It's and it's a it's a fantastic venue too. It's got its own little character. Yeah, it's perfect for comedy because you really want that like low ceilings. Uh, a lot of great uh, clubs I have been in basements. I don't know why, but <laughs> but to have that underground low ceiling feel. Uh, keeps all the energy and all the the laughs, you know, uh, contained, and so that all that that uh, you know emotion and laughter is bouncing off the walls, and and the crowd is kind of smushed in there, which you know some people don't think is ideal as an audience member, but there's something about being kind of forced to be one, you know, the crowd is one being, you know, you kind yeah. of get on the same page, you. You are all hearing each other, you know, and and hopefully all having a good time together. And so there's there's kind of a cohesion when there's uh, this like, and it's not a tiny room because there's, you know, like 300 seats or whatever. But to have them in a compact space, like I say, low ceilings, and then to be able to have have it be very dark, you know, I think that adds something to the the feel of like a you know a fun night or like a uh, a professional performance setting, and so yeah, Comedy Works is uh, uh, just ideal, you know. And so, uh, you know, I still remember some of the first times I got to be on that stage because I was so nervous. And there's so many great comics here that, like I said, when I moved here in 2008, there were a bunch of comics that were trying to get noticed at Comedy Works to win the the yearly new faces contest that they do you know uh that was a big part of my first three summers here well i guess the first summer actually i missed the contest but uh the 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 three summers after i moved here was all about the contest you know because it it takes place from like may to october you know there's there's hundreds of comics that end up doing it uh, I think maybe when I was first here, it was like 120 comics, and then it grew to like 140, and now I think they try to get like 200 comics uh, a chance to compete, and so it's just this big months-long marathon, you know, and we were all trying to <clears throat> trying to take that thing, and so uh, just a lot of healthy competition, I would say, because... Uh, Instead of all of us kind of hating each other and and if, you know having that kind of tense you know uh, emotions in the air, there would there there wasn't too much of that. It was mostly nervous excitement and like a more of a friendly, healthy competition. And so I was I was grateful for that too, because uh, a lot of places, uh, you know, there's uh, not as healthy of a competitive spirit. You know, it's more cutthroat or uh, you know, kind of negative or intense, and that's unfortunate because it shouldn't really be. You know, there's always there's always only, only going to be so many spots, but there's also a lot of shows and a lot of opportunity, and so right. uh, we're lucky here 
you know, maybe the weed helped and all the great beers, but <laughs> to be able to have a good time with comics uh, and to have some community uh, is very uh, special, you know, and so I, I really cherish uh, my first few years here uh, a whole bunch, you know, because instead of those uh, other comics here kind of seeing me as the new guy and, and being wary, uh, there wasn't a whole lot of that, you know, pretty quick. We were all hanging out, having a good time. And uh, so I, I was really glad that I was able to, to have that happen pretty pretty much as soon as I moved here. I was, you know, I was able to find some some guys and, and, and some of the women that I really enjoy being around and that made it easier to to get started out here yeah well and then speaking of uh community uh per se uh what kind of differences do you find uh the crowds in las vegas versus the crowds here in uh, denver so vegas was rough because there's a lot of locals you know people that live there that are gonna go to like a neighborhood bar or a small you know casino off the strip and they're going to want to, like, you know, drink and gamble. And a lot of – so a lot of the places where there were open mics were places that were just trying to, like, have something that was appealing to mm. these gamblers. And, and you know, tourists, too, for right. sure, because a, 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 a few of the shows that, and, and open mics that were in Vegas when I was there were on or around the Strip. And so there was, you know, the tourists – as well but but also just anybody that was gambling you know it was like hey come on in we've got comedy we've got a cover band we've got a magician you know there, there were all these different uh places that were trying comedy at one point or another in a, in, in the hopes that they would that they would get these you know these crowds to come in and spend money but those uh crowds a lot of times were pretty fickle you know and they weren't invested in the comedy because almost every time it was, you know, the, the, the shows and the mice were free and there were no expectations, you know, really. And so these uh, gamblers had a lot of power because if they didn't really like the comedy and they said something that, that was, you know, the death knell for, for the show uh, almost immediately, you know? So we, we had that happen a few times where it was like, Oh yeah, Chuck, said that he's sick of hearing the comedy, so it's over, you know. And this, yeah. I didn't really get it until I, I, I started running an open mic at a bar, uh, you know, a, a not it was nowhere near the strip, but uh, th there was near some popular uh, casinos and, and bars. And it was just this little spot called the Bunkhouse, or not the Bunkhouse, but uh, the Brass Rail Saloon. And uh, the owner eventually told me some of the numbers, you know, some of the, some of the uh, details of like how much some of these gamblers will spend, and it's just it was insane, you know. It 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 finally made sense to me why these managers or, or bar owners were so quick to pull the plug on something, and it's because they did not want to mess with a regular gambler, you know, who's coming in a, a, a couple times, three times a week, and spending maybe a grand, you know, like. I mean, it can get really bad with right. some of the with some of the problem gamblers. So there was a lot of money to be made, and comedy was just kind of this random thing that that could potentially try to you know help business. But it was uh, shaky, and like I said, a lot of a lot of shows would kind of disappear. Luckily, a few were able to hold on, so that I had uh, a little 
uh, opportunity there to to perform for an audience that came for a show as opposed to just you know open mic nights where you had 35 random comics you know and, and most of them were new and horrible or old but still horrible uh, you know there were a lot of just a lot of random people trying to do comedy and 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 I was lucky also because there were a few uh, funny comics that I was able to hang out with and they they helped me when I was brand new you know feel like I could co- show up and not just you know sit in the corner and not talk to anybody uh, so I was lucky in Vegas as well but Denver was just you know just next the next level in a lot of ways and uh, so I was lucky to end up here yeah okay and, and so in so in addition in Denver your your take in what ways was uh, Denver kind of different and what do you what do you like about the this comedy scene in Denver <clears throat> well uh, comedy works allowed or I guess maybe comedy works was like the backbone, you know, and then it allowed comics to know what they needed, you know, the Comedy Works was like the blueprint for a perfect venue, and so if a comic wanted to start a new show somewhere else, they could kind of, you know, seek out something that was similar, or or had had, had the right look, you know, the, the right room, and that happened with a few different uh, shows when I was first here, there was a show at a at an art studio called the Orange Cat, that was run by uh, <laughs> comics like Adam Caden Holland and Ben Kronberg and Andrew Overdahl and Ben Roy. Uh, they they called themselves Risk Deep Productions for a while, and then uh, eventually it <clears throat> it just became uh, Adam and Andrew and Ben Roy, and they called themselves the Grolix. And so they they were just like a few few years ahead of me and the other comics here, and they put on a great show that was, you know, it, it wasn't like a bar where random people came. They're, they're, they sold tickets, and it was once a month, and, and you know, it was an art studio that uh, w- where they were performing, and they just made it work, you know, and it, it felt so cool when they would do that show. And so and this was these were like younger crowds, you know, uh, fans of like, you know, instead of saying that they loved comedy and they really just meant that they liked, you know, Seinfeld or George Carlin, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, some 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 comedy fans are only kind of into some of the biggest comics of all time, you know, right. and and so they can be passionate about watching those comics, but it's not the same as, like, a comedy nerd, I mm-hmm. guess. Yeah, I got gotcha. You know, s- somebody who, like, you know, uh, I, I've been a wrestling nerd about as long as I was a comedy nerd, <laughs> and so to have that level of, you know, uh, fanaticism and, and, like, dedication to seeking out, uh, you know, the next big comic or, you know, a, a bunch of weirdos that maybe aren't going to be superstars, aren't going to be, you know, huge, but are but that are putting out albums and, and getting funnier and funnier, you know, uh, to see that in Denver was really cool, you know, to have uh, the same kind of appreciation for local comedy as people have for local music, you know, and an independent uh, music scene, which was also here, you know, uh, but that there was also this, like, growing 
uh, independent, you know, kind of underground comedy scene was really cool to be to be able to move here and be a part of and help to help like be a part of its growth. You know, I I feel like I got here at just you know the perfect time for me to be able to join that and and help. You know, and so me and a couple other guys started a weekly show. You know, hoping that it would also be seen as like this fun independent comedy night and we did that for seven years uh or six years 2011 to 2017 we did a show almost every wednesday and uh it was free and uh all ages and uh we had cheap beer um that was you know we couldn't sell it so we had to say that it was free but but we accepted donations for it, you know, as a way to like not have to get a a uh, liquor license or you know go through all of that uh, bureaucratic stuff. <laughs> we we have we didn't want to do any of that, and you know we started out downtown in this uh, dive bar called the Rockaway, and it was very like <laughs> not scary, but it was definitely a dive bar, and uh, and then. Eventually, we we moved to this art space, the the Deer Pile, and uh, we got to do the show there. And it was kind of our own space. There were a few other shows that were put on there, but uh, we we got to be kind of the the main attraction, you know, every Wednesday. Uh, for I guess we were there for five years, and uh, yeah, it it was a great time. You know, it was just a party every week and like I said a bunch of comedy nerds would come and they would know some of the you know some of the comics that we had coming coming through because they were on their their way up you know and maybe they were getting played on on Sirius and uh, satellite radio but uh, hadn't maybe yet done late night or something and so our audience got to you know show their support for these younger rising stars, you know, and uh, so yeah, I've always been uh, grateful for these Denver crowds. They are definitely uh, very supportive. Yeah, and you know, and, and that kind of maybe a little bit of a uh, hot take question for you, and this is just something that's kind of reminded me here listening to you, and one thing I kind of always tell myself, and I, you know, kind of keep forgetting, I go to uh, when I'm able to go to like a comedy show, it's like I get comedy works or or various other things. I keep forgetting it's like I mm-hmm. need to go out to comedy shows more often, you know, and and round out my um, entertainment experience. I go to a lot of wrestling shows and and et cetera, things like that. But I mean, what do you think about that kind of take? That you know, if if people are really into entertainment, they should try to expand their horizons. Well, yeah, if. You know, anybody that loves live music should definitely check out live comedy because uh, and live wrestling. There, yeah. There's something extra, there's something uh, special that comes from being at a live performance. You know, there, it doesn't, doesn't hit the same if it's on your phone or on your TV because if you're in the room and you get to see some of the, uh, you know, some of the mistakes that can be made, you know, some of the... Uh, improvisations that comics do or that musicians will end up doing if they, you know, if, if they end up having like, uh, you know, an impromptu jam, you know, on a song and you would never hear it on an album, you know, but live, you know, there's these 
these special moments that you yeah. miss out on if you don't check them out. So, yeah, I think uh, I think Denver has been, uh, you know, has had a great music scene for a long time because, as I've been told, uh, it was kind of the you know the, the stop that that most bands would make if they were going, you know, from the Midwest to the West Coast or vice versa. You know, it was kind of it's one of the only uh, you know, decent sized cities in this area. And so I think that helped uh, with music and then comedy followed suit, you know, where if you look at a map you and you need, you know, you need a show in between Omaha and Salt Lake city, you know, you're going to go to Denver. Yeah. And if you, if you get a show in Albuquerque, you can, you can go up to Denver and then go to Cheyenne, you know? And so there's just, there's only a handful of places that you'd be able to, book something decent and Denver I think was able to just you know they would come out you know and support and so uh, comedy has been a similar thing where people realize that the live aspect is is something else you know something something extra that you can experience and uh, so you know people have been coming out for years and years and and as the city has grown I think uh, you know a lot of people that come here know that they should check out some of the independent venues and you know keep an eye out for who's getting talked about in uh, the Westward or the Denver Post, you know. And uh, so yeah, there's been a a similar kind of glow up or uh, just like a you know a steady uh, growth that's happened here for comedy that uh, has been a lot of fun to be a part of. And and to pivot from, like, doing too much fun every Wednesday to being able to be a part of uh, Lucha Libre and Laughs has been perfect, you know, to be able to be a part of another local show that started out, you know, not really sure what we were going to do, but, but we had this uh, idea that comedy and wrestling would go well together and, uh, you know, we weren't positive that it was going to catch on, but people kept coming out, you know, and we were able to keep growing. And now it's been, I think we've done the show seven, seven years now. So, Jeez, so, that sounds about like right. That. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's th- been a while. And me and Sam Talent were, were uh, in from the beginning with Nick Gossert, you know, when he approached us. It was his idea. And I had just quit watching wrestling around that time I, I had always watched for the most part and uh, had for a while when I wasn't watching I was still reading stuff online like <laughs> I was at yeah. that level of like <laughs> you know nerd where I wasn't even really watching but I still wanted to know about the backstage stuff and uh, injuries and contracts you know and all that all the drama that that happens with with all those people just you know, bumping into each other. So uh, it was great to be able to to get on board. And, and, it, and it sucked me back into wrestling, you know. It didn't take long for me to start watching WWE again and just getting back into it once I was able to see some of these local wrestlers, you know, how great they are. Uh, it, you know, got me back into wanting to follow it again. 
And, okay, and so, and speaking of all this, I kind of want to unwind everything you just uh, talked about. How, and so in the beginning, <laughs> as they say, yeah. uh, how did, were you uh, approached uh, about uh, getting into this uh, Lucha Libre and laughs thing? How, what was the, what was the selling point that Nick gave you? He just thought that, uh, you know, wrestling and comedy could go, could go well together as one show. He he knew a, a handful of local wrestlers, and I think a lot of the a lot of the wrestlers he knew in the beginning were luchadors, were either from Mexico or were trained uh, in Mexico or uh, were masked wrestlers, you know. And so they they wrestled and tra- and trained uh, you know new recruits in the lucha libre style yeah. of like you know, fast aerial moves, you know, uh, the, the colorful costumes, the masks, you know, all of that, uh, was, was kind of who knew, who Nick knew in the beginning. So that I think, uh, sounded exciting. Like, you know, why not try and see if this can work as one show? And I knew, I knew that the comedy would be good because me and Sam and Nick were comics. We knew, all the other comics here in town. So I liked the idea of, you know, and like I said, I I was such a big fan of both comedy and wrestling since I was like nine. And so it was perfect for me, you know, uh, two of my favorite things, joining forces sounded perfect. Mm -hmm. And to the idea of me and Sam uh, being comics who called the, the action Sounded it, it made it sound to me like he and I were able to be right in the middle, you know, of the comedy and wrestling worlds colliding, you know, because yeah. a lot of the a lot of the commentary, I think rightly so, is dramatic. Is uh, you know, they, they they the the announcing of of the matches have to build it up and support it, so we're we're helping get the wrestling over you know and build that excitement but we also get to be funny while we do it and it's uh kind of a challenge to walk that line because we can't you know we can't make fun of the wrestling we can maybe make fun of the bad guy wrestler because he's the bad guy and Mm -hmm. everybody's supposed Mm -hmm. to hate him but uh yeah but we still had to center the wrestling and 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 be behind it you know and and so that was difficult at first. You know, it, he, Sam and I had not uh, called any wrestling before, but uh, there is just kind of a certain cadence, you know. And and we knew a lot of you know the names of a lot of the moves, and so uh, it was just a matter of you know working together to and and all of us working together, you know, to present one uh, you know cohesive show. And it, it didn't take too long. You know, the, the first few shows were definitely uh, rough around the edges or whatever, you know, but, but it didn't take long for us to figure out the, the right, uh, you know, the right amount of comedy, comedians versus uh, matches, you know, and, and, you know, how much, how much time, how, how long should the show be, you know. And, and for a while we tried to have music, live music as well, and that worked, but it was a lot, you know, to have this third right. element. And so we we didn't we moved away from having 
live music, and I think that helps streamline or or uh, tighten up the show. Yeah. And so before long, uh, we were start we were able to move f- to to graduate from the local wrestlers that were, you know, maybe getting a little older, and then the their trainees, and we started to be able to get some of the independent names, you know, like the the national kind of touring wrestlers that people maybe had heard of, and that was huge, you know, to help us get to the next level of selling more tickets and being seen as more of like a legitimate or, or uh, you know, the, the next big thing as far as like a wrestling show. So, yeah. like, we, I think we started out, we started off with a lot of local wrestling fans, and then we were able to get, like, comedy fans to come and they got into the wrestling and then the wrestling fans got into the comedy and so and then you know uh, casual fans of wrestling or comedy would would end up hearing about it and they would come check it out and and we were helped a lot by the westward because we were getting coverage of the shows but also uh we ended up winning the best of westward for best comedy night i think Five, four or five years in a row, we we got that, and I think that helped us a lot too. It it made it feel, I think, more legitimate as far as like something to that people could check out. And you know, we were at the Oriental Theater in uh, the Tennyson neighborhood, which has a bunch of great options for like food and uh, just different shops. You know that people like to check out but then to to be in the middle of that this like popular neighborhood you know where people are looking for fun stuff to do yeah. i think that helped us as well yeah. so we were on our way and like like you said it's been i think 7 years and it sucked that we couldn't do the the anniversary show cuz that would have been i think it was set for like mid april and and so we weren't able to do that you know and and everything has been postponed a couple of times now, but yeah. it's going to be great to be able to uh, get the band back together and <laughs> and you know we're doing four shows in two days, you know, two Friday, two Saturday, yeah. and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Well, let me ask you uh, about the uh, live commentary that uh, that you and uh, Sam do. Uh, you said it uh, took a little while to kind of get your cadence and be able to insert things in there uh, for you know to get the get everything to like a, you said like a cohesive uh, experience. Uh, do you guys and you guys like you said you were wrestling nerds, so you were able to and from on, on this side of the the ropes, this side of the microphone. I feel like you guys have got it and you're able to get the casual uh, wrestling fan to be able to understand some of the references by using some of the older, you know, wrestlers that people may have known, like a Hulk Hogan and, you know, Roddy Piper, th- people like that, which is uh, fantastic. Yeah. Um, let me ask you this, because uh, also, too, with uh, Lucha Libre and Laughs, the comedian that does the set before the match, they join you on commentary. Are you, uh, yeah. do you guys, uh, uh, help, uh, prep them to, uh, help get him, uh, on the live commentary with you, uh, before the show starts for the particular night? Not, not really. Not really because, you know, ideally the comic, regardless of how much they know about wrestling, 
we know that they're funny and that the Sam and I are going to be, you know, the the ones that are driving the the match commentary. So uh-huh. we just tell we just tell the comic, you know, get in there whenever you can, you know, because it's so fast, right? You know, and there's not a lot of opportunity to like ask them a question or yeah. allow them to take. The, the lead, you know, and so uh, it really is just kind of a hey. Uh, the, the one thing that I made sure to try and tell some of the comics early on was what I said earlier, which was uh, you know just make sure that you're getting into the match. Like you know the the wrestling is the main attraction, and so we need to like keep our energy up and get into it. Whether whether you pick somebody. That you cheer for, and then you shit on the other guy. That's fine, you know. But uh, to make sure that they realize we're not here to like make fun of wrestling or to, you know, to to detract from the audience getting into the match. You know, we're we're supposed to try and you know push that excitement or that drama, you know, uh, up a couple notches. And and so and comics get that, you know, yeah. almost any. You know, a lot of comics are wrestling fans. Uh, I don't know why, but I think <laughs> there's just an attraction to the performances and the the lights and music and, like I said earlier, the costumes. You know, there's just so much that goes into professional wrestling that is similar to comedy, which is that it's a show. You want people to have a good time, and uh, so it, it's not it's not hard for most of the comics to get on board, even if they're not a longtime fan or even if they you know maybe watched during the Monday Night Wars and then fell off I, I I just make sure that they know that they need to try and get in the conversation because like I said Sam and I uh, were able to figure out our commentary together yeah. pretty early on and we've done most of the shows together right. uh, Sam Sam had to move. He he didn't live here for a couple years, so he missed some shows. But for the most part, he and I were the the commentary team, and so I just tried to let you know each comic know that they were going to have to pay attention and and you know come up with some stuff uh, to get in there. Otherwise, you know, Sam and I wanted to be able to do what we do. And uh, it's it's worked out, you know. Uh, there's there's been a handful of comics that I think have have been able to do a better job of talking than others. Uh, but you know, there's not a lot of pressure on them either because they just did their set, you know. Right. And and ideally, they they got a bunch of laughs, and so they can kind of uh, you know get in there a couple times as a you know as a guest commentator, and there isn't a bunch of pressure on them to call. The action as it happens, you know, they're just they're they just have to be ready to follow up with something, you know, make some some insight or some joke, you know, that they can throw in there as uh, as we're watching the, these men and women tear each other's asses up. <laughs> so true. Uh, so um, so far um, with your time with uh, Lucha Libre and laughs, uh, have there been some uh, highlight moments of uh, the 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 wrestling and even the comedians uh, that uh, come top to mind that you're just going, I can't believe that happened at one of our shows. Oh, sure. Yeah, that's that's been the case a lot. Like, our second show, 
we had uh, Nick had a match book that was King Kong versus Godzilla, and it was you know just uh, you know a wrestling match between uh, King Kong and and Godzilla, and it was very surreal and you know weird as hell, but in a you know in the best way. And I remember telling Sam, I hope we get to do this for a long time. You know, I was so happy because it was like I said earlier, it's just that kind of unique. There's just so much potential. You know, there's so many different directions you can go in with wrestling. And so we had that, which was uh, very silly. Um, uh, But there, you know, there's still athleticism because it was still a wrestling match with two, you know, two talented wrestlers uh, in these costumes. But but also just very uh, random, you know, and and very weird. And then uh, one of our one of our regular. Performers, one of our favorites is Kikutaro from Japan, mm-hmm. and you know he is very silly and fun, and like you know is a part of that that kind of wrestling that's uh, meta, I would say, you know, because it it you know if you're a wrestling fan, you know that there's certain uh, moves and counter moves, and and just there's like a you know a, a language to it, or it's really like a you know there's there's different styles and it, you can play with those you know and and make fun of them or you know uh, ramp up the ridiculousness of <laughs> some of the aspects of wrestling and Kikutaro is, is definitely that and so he I love seeing f- new new fans experience the the silliness that can happen you know because they know that a lot of it can be very dramatic and serious and hard hitting uh, so so for them to see. Kikutaro, or like we've had, we had got to have Orange Cassidy, I think yeah. just once. Yeah, but right, he, right before he made a big. It was, yeah. He came through maybe like two, three years ago or something, and then yeah, was on his way to just, you know, getting bigger and bigger. And and Sam and I didn't even really get what he was doing at first, you know? Yeah. Like, it's so, that, he, Orange is like a, a next level kind of meta right. uh, approach. <laughs> And so we at first were like, what is – I thought that he was uh, drunk, you know, or like uh, – <laughs> yeah, I didn't it, – it took me a few minutes to realize that he was also playing with uh, people's expectations and with the, the established form, you know, uh, yeah. or, or approach to wrestling. And so it was like me and Sam and the crowd kind of figured it out together. <laughs> and, you know, after a few minutes – it it was just as fun, you know, as anything, you know, to to have the the seriousness get turned on its head and to have somebody play with that. Um, it, it was great to be able to watch and 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 figure it out, you know, to still be surprised by wrestling after being a fan since, like I said, since I was a kid, was uh, was something else. And and we've had the the we've had some great traditional matches as well. Some of the local guys, like Lonnie Valdez, mm-hmm. are so, are so good, just so talented. You know, he's been doing it for a long time, and uh, so he's been a part of some great matches. One of my favorite matches was maybe in the f- it was near the beginning. I don't think it was the first year because first year we only got a few dates. Uh, we we didn't we didn't immediately do the show once a month. So maybe the first year we had like four shows, and then uh, so. But in in the first ten shows or whatever, I I would say we had Chris Hero against Sammy Six Guns Jr., who is now uh, Dak Draper. Yeah. And the two of them 
beat the hell out of each other. You know, just you know, Chris Hero has been all over the world. He's the knockout artist. You know, and he and he's doing you know elbows and forearms, and uh, and both of those guys, Sammy Six Guns and, and Chris Hero, were you know big, strong, fast, and so they still after however many matches that we've had, uh, they they still have one of the best ones uh, in my opinion, and uh, I don't know that a lot of people would be able to come along and top it. Because it was just man, they were on fire. Uh, you know, you know how there's certain wrestlers that can really work well together, and 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 you know take things to that next level. And that was the case with the two of them. Yeah. Uh, like I said, maybe 2014. Uh, I still remember how they went all over the Oriental Theater. They, you know, uh, didn't do a ton of high flying because that's not either of their styles. But they didn't need to because what they were doing was just intense and it had a great there was a great back and forth and uh, and I mean, and we've had a bunch of great high flyers too you know which people love like you know that that can also uh, attract people right away when you see these guys flying off the top rope or diving you know over the top rope to the outside and Lonnie uh, and uh, Mike Sadell, you know, the Yoga Monster, are two of the best when it comes to high flyers, you know, that, that are regular uh, Lucha Libre and Laughs wrestlers. And so they've been, they've been a part of some of my favorite matches as well. That's awesome. All right, well, so that uh, leads us into finally... We got the Lucha Libre and Laughs show happening uh, this uh, Friday and Saturday after, uh, well, cancels. They had to get canceled right when this, all this craziness with the uh, the virus happened. It was like the day of that it got canceled back in March, got postponed. But uh, I bet you are excited to finally get this, uh, get back and get Triple uh, L uh, uh, going and getting in there and everything as well. Oh yeah, yeah. It uh, has always it's always been something that I've looked forward to. Um, like I said, we've been able to dial it in for the last several years, you know. So it's just been a, uh, an exciting time. Every show of just a mix of like, oh, who do I get to see, you know, come through town this time? And uh, Nick was able to maintain a lot of relationships with. Like I said, just some of the best wrestlers that you that you could ask for on a show, and and we're lucky to have so many here. Mm-hmm. So we even have you know some great local wrestlers that that don't get to do every show because Nick likes to have you know a, a nice, um, an, you know a nice blend of right. of new and familiar faces and uh, you know unique matchups for sure. You know Nick uh, has has been a great booker up there with Kevin Sullivan. <laughs> uh, as one of the top yeah. <laughs> bookers of all time, also very uh, very prone to wackiness, like uh, Kevin Sullivan. We never did the Dungeon of Doom, but we had uh, Cody Devine sold his soul to the devil <laughs> for yeah. a title shot yeah. uh, years ago, and uh, so yeah, we and the uh, Infinity Gauntlet has been <laughs> that was Cody Devine as well. Cody yeah. uh, Cody's a mystical being. Uh, <laughs> master of the dark arts, but uh, yeah, the when when anything you know uh, was was uh, as far as live 
entertainment was was put on hold, it was shocking. You know, I've I've been going pretty pretty much nonstop since uh, by the last time I had a, a normal job was like 2012. So like for the last five, six, seven years, I've I've been very uh, focused on performing as much as I can and uh, you know just just trying to to further my my act and my name you know and uh, for it to all come to a screeching halt was it was crazy you know and and just on top of the regular worrying that we all had you know my comics like bartenders and and musicians and uh, you know all service industry were very uh, scared about what the future hold, held, and yeah, we did have some uh, some dates that came and went that we weren't able to make work, and uh, now you know uh, we're only a few days out, and so I think we're going to be able to do these four shows, and I'm I'm really looking forward to them. I th I think that we're doing things uh, as as safely as you can by limiting you know the the number of people that can go to each show, and uh, we're going to have the shows be uh, a little shorter, I think, than our normal uh, card, which would typically be, you know, maybe two and a half hours. I think the, these shows are going to be uh, tighter so that people aren't, you know, out uh, in, in a crowd for any longer than, you know, what we think is, you know, safe. So, uh yeah, I'm. I'm hoping that everybody can be relaxed and and you know uh, able to focus on having a nice night out for the first time in a while, and uh, yeah, have a little bit of normalcy for uh, for these fans that have been coming out for like I say, you know, it's been six or seven years that some of these uh, fans have been coming, and so it'll be nice to see some of them. Right. And so, and my understanding is, so we've got, uh, just to kind of uh, summarize for the listeners, uh, there are two shows each night, Friday and Saturday, and I believe there are just a few tickets left for s maybe some of the shows? Yeah, so the only show that has sold out so far is the early show Friday. and there, But there's only 50 tickets, I think, uh, for each show. I think that that was the right. the, the max that, that was decided on, uh, again, to, to make sure that people can be kind of spread out and that we don't have too many people bumping into each other uh, throughout the night. So, yeah, uh, I don't know how many tickets are available, but I would assume there's probably only a handful for, for the uh, remaining three shows. So that would be the late show Friday and then both shows Saturday have uh, at, le at, least, uh, at least a couple tickets available. So hopefully people will... Jump on those, and we'll uh, ideally have four sellouts. But <laughs> it'll be it'll be funny to have 50 people be a sellout when we have had. I know for a while we were we were uh, calling it a sellout. I think when we had like 600 yeah uh, tickets for the Oriental. So yeah, it's gonna be a very different vibe, but but with some of the some of the old nostalgic memories, you know, uh, the same kind of format, but just a little smaller and a little, yeah, a little more cautious, I guess, overall. 
Yeah, and, and then also, too, listeners, uh, one of the selling points is that each and every one of these four shows is going to be different. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's, it's a good reason to, uh, if you want to uh, have some fun, uh, if you want to, get uh, tickets to the three shows that uh, tickets are available for. So Right, yeah, there's going to be some, like I know our, our uh, heavyweight champion, Anaya, will be a part of all four shows, but there's not going to be uh, the same matches and the yeah. same comics. May right. just, I, mean, I think there might be a couple comics that are on more than one show, but yeah, as far as like the the, the full lineup is is not the same for for each of the four shows. So there is uh, there for the super fan for the for the <laughs> for the top tier of of uh, Lucha Libre and Last Nerd, we <laughs> we could uh, yeah we could see someone end up going to all four shows and. Uh, they would, yeah, they'd have a unique experience each time. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, uh, I want to uh, thank you for uh, coming on to uh, the uh, podcast uh, uh, this time around. But before I do let you go, uh, if people wanted to uh, follow up with you, uh, what you've got going on uh, in your comedy uh, on the uh, social media, and then also I understand that uh, you just recently launched a uh, podcast as well. Yeah, so because there's been such a slowdown, and, and, and shows are happening, uh, there's a lot of uh, shows that are that have transitioned to being outside, of, you know, in, instead of in a uh, you know a brewery or venue, they're tr- they're trying to make stuff work uh, outside, and so I'm still gonna try and do some of those shows. Um, Steve Vanderplug has a bunch of shows at different breweries. Uh, he calls. He calls the whole uh, experience, the brand is rotating tap, you know, and so there's like six or seven shows that he's uh, trying to bring back um, where, the, you know, they can be outside uh, in some way. Uh, but, yeah, because there's not uh, as many shows, you know, and, and there's going to be like kind of a gradual, you know, uh, uh, ebb and flow, you know, uh, that will happen based on, you know, number of cases and, and what our governor decides uh, is, is okay for uh, going out. Uh, I figured why not try and get in the podcast game way too late. <laughs> uh, to start a podcast in 2020 seems pretty insane, but uh, I figure, you know, a lot of people love uh, finding new podcasts. We've got podcast nerds that are out there that, <laughs> that are – looking for for something new to listen to so uh yeah sam and i uh have started a podcast we're calling it chubby behemoth (laughs) and uh we just released our first three episodes those are on uh, apple podcasts and i think they're on most of the 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 sites where people do the where people get podcasts yeah uh i don't know all of them, but uh, I know we're on Podbean, and so you can do Stitcher, and I think we are on uh, Google as well. Google, uh, was it Google Play? Google Podcast, Google Play, same difference. Is yeah. it pretty much all the same? Yeah. Right. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure you can you can uh, get those first three episodes uh, via all of the the popular uh, avenues, and then uh, we'll have tomorrow. Uh, we're releasing a, uh, a podcast that we recorded with Doug Stanhope, 
and he'll he's releasing that episode as well. So kind of a shared episode. Oh, that's awesome. Cool. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're hoping to to uh, keep releasing new episodes. I think we'll do that every Wednesday. Um, and uh, yeah, we're on. We have we have an Instagram account for Chubby Behemoth Podcast, and uh, me and Sam are on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. So we'll be promoting the hell out of it. Uh, and it's just the two of us talking about <laughs> all kinds of random stuff. There's no. There's no real uh, uh, outline or skeleton of of uh, topics. It's just kind of us reminiscing. We've known each other since I since I moved here, pretty much. Uh, so we we talk about our our friendship and comedy and everything else that you can imagine. A lot of pop, random pop culture references from two uh, guys in their 30s. So. If that sounds uh, good, then, uh, yeah, check it out, Chubby Behemoth. That is awesome. All right. Well, uh, once again, uh, Nathan, I do appreciate you uh, coming on, and I, of course, will uh, be seeing you uh, in a few days there for uh, Lucha Libre and Laughs. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, that's great. I'm glad you're coming. Thanks for having me on your pod. Once again, a big, huge thank you once again to Nathan Lund for coming on to this episode of the Wrestling with Altitude podcast and introducing himself to all of our listeners. Uh, just a reminder, this upcoming Friday and Saturday, uh, Lucha Libre and Laughs, uh, two shows each night, early show and a late show, and some tickets are still available and if you want to get them, uh, a couple ways to do that, head either over to the Lucha Libre and Laughs uh, Facebook page, and there's a link there, or you can head over to the Orientals Theater's website and pick them up there as well. I hope to see all of you, and I hope that we do uh, continue our tradition of a sellout, even though it won't be a uh, full capacity as it has been in the past, so that's going to make these shows even more special. All right, well, let's uh, do a uh, quick week in review, and uh, what I have to talk about in that is uh, Colorado Springs' most uh, recent event, and that is uh, The Last Resort. Uh, great show, uh, fantastic matches. I'm loving that Sunshine Studios live uh, facility even more. Uh, outside uh, was uh, good weather. Uh, even though we are here in uh, Colorado dealing with some uh, fires that are smoke and ash and is getting all over to other parts of the state, uh, especially here in uh, Denver where I'm at. Colorado Springs wasn't too bad, but uh, that's why my voice is kind of irritated and scratchy, if you guys can tell. Uh, but anyways, so what we uh, have coming up, uh, like I said, uh, for the future, uh, like I just mentioned, uh, Lucha Libre and Laughs. Uh, show for this Friday and Saturday, August uh, 21st and 22nd. Get your tickets. Uh, Going to be a great. All four shows will be uh, completely different. Uh, you know, maybe some crossover, a little bit here and there, but uh, it's still well worth the money to go to each and every Lucha Libre and Laughs show. All right, and then once again, before we get out of here, uh, that's. Uh, uh, if you like this show, plug the uh, 
Trending Topics Network. Uh, search for their feed uh, in any, any of your podcast catchers, and you'll catch other great shows such as uh, All Beer Inside, The Eurovision Showcase, and Wrestling Cheers. You want to get in contact with this show, WrestlingWithAltitude.com is the website. Podcast at WrestlingWithAltitude.com is the email. Facebook at uh, Wrestling With Altitude and Twitter is Russell Altitude for the hander, handle. Uh, once again, I want to thank you all for listening and supporting and having fun wrestling with altitude. Mm-hmm.